0: Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to
1: the point
2: everyone thank you for joining this week's to the point podcast i'm rachel lyon here with co-host eric trexler and eric i have to say i'm so excited for our guest today i couldn't i couldn't think of a better time to have this conversation between what's going on this week and last week with pipeline the biden executive order and then all kind of culminating or bringing to life i think everything she's captured in her book this is how they tell me the world ends are you as excited as i am
1: I think I'm more excited, actually. (laughs) Maybe we could have done it while we were all out of gas, but this is a great time. (laughs) Who do we have today, Rachel?
2: Today we have Nicole Pearl-Roth. She is New York Times cybersecurity, digital espionage reporter. She's been in the cyber trenches for more than 10 years. I can't imagine all the insights that she has, uh, the seven years it took to put this amazing book together. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you here.
0: Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome.
2: So okay, Rachel, first, so
1: kick it off because I'm too excited to speak right now.
2: I know. Well, first I want to congratulate you on this book cuz you know, we were talking a little bit earlier and and I think for a lot of cybersecurity it is a bit hard to translate cyber into layman turns. And you've done this incredibly well. Um, and and there's so many there are so many moments in your book. I, I don't even know where to start <laughs> about salmon, you know, digital test kitchen and Ukraine and then, you know, on and on and on. Um, and particularly what caught me as well and um, is what you'd said at the end, you know, as, as a journalist today and particularly covering cyber and, and kind of having to think about that, you know, looking over your shoulder, you know, being an amazing journalist. Um, so first, I just want to say thank you, because it's not easy what you're doing and all the work that you put into this. It's it's incredible. It's blood, sweat and tears from from where I sit. So um, thank you for doing this, because this is critical work that people need to read.
0: Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, this was Probably the hardest topic I think I could have chosen in this space because, (laughs) like I said in the book, it's like fight club. You know, this is like the one thing, like the first rule is nobody talks about this. Yes. Um, And the second challenge was really figuring out how to tell this story to a lay audience where they weren't, you know, their their eyes weren't going to roll to the back of their heads or they weren't going to tune it out because of the techno jargon. And to tell it in a really human way, you know, and and also to tell it like a hero's journey where there wasn't really a hero. You know, like I wanted there to be a human that represented a different slice of the cyber arms market. And there was no one person that could kind of carry the narrative along, um, which is why I ended up having to insert myself in the book a little bit because I wanted to hold the reader's hand and I knew it was going to take someone like me that really didn't grow up coding and didn't have a strong computer science background, um, but had been parachuting into these cyber attacks for the last 10 years, and sort of seeing where this was going and being able to take the reader's hand and say, hey, look at where this is trending. It's not going to be good.
1: But I, but yep. I looked at it as someone who's in the industry, and I, I would say it brought to light a lot of things that I knew pieces about. I I knew pieces and parts, but it rounded out the story. So if you're in the business, in InfoSec, cybersecurity, depending on when you got in, I mean, there are a lot of components that fill in gaps that Mm -hmm. I just never even thought about, Nicole.
0: It was was great Mm -hmm. from that perspective. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, this is, I've never said this before, and I don't even think I've admitted this to myself, but while you were saying that, what it made me think about was, during the subprime mortgage crisis, um, I had this idea for a story where I wanted to follow one mortgage through the chain to see where it ended up. And I ended up finding this this woman who lived on Staten Island, who you know got in this subprime mortgage, this high risk mortgage, and then you know I tracked it from her through her broker, through you know the banks, and ultimately to the American taxpayer, which was left holding the bill after AIG's bailout and stuff. And that's sort of, I guess, actually what I set out to do with this book is like, let's follow the chain here. Because like you said, it's really easy to sort of focus on your piece of the puzzle. But very few people have have lifted their heads up and looked at where this is going from slice to slice to slice and said, wait a minute. You know, sort of like the subprime mortgage crisis. Wait a minute. Like, what is all this risk? We have taken on and baked into the system and who's going to be left holding the bag. And that is the case for the cyber arms market. You know, everyone's focused on their own slice of the puzzle. But when you step back and look, it's like individuals are the ones who are going to end up paying the price. And most people aren't even aware that this is playing out every day.
1: There's nobody in charge.
0: Nobody in charge. Yeah,
1: that's the problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a mess. So mm-hmm. I was looking for the answer. How do we solve this problem at the end of the book? It's not there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there's no silver bullet, Eric. yeah there are this, no
1: yeah. silver yeah. bullets in cybersecurity. Yes,
0: yeah. but the other day I did talk to Senator Angus King, the independent from Maine, who I have to say is one of the most articulate Uh, Senators on this issue these days. You know, he was really involved with the Solarium Commission and he had this funny thing he said to me the other day. He said, there's no silver bullets, but we've got to come up with our silver Buckeye shot. You know, like we have to figure out what are the like 15 things we have to be doing to nail this or at least just get to a bare minimum standard that like raises the bar for all of these companies and organizations and federal government agencies and... And that's what you're seeing right now is this effort to finally put those in place for better or worse. Absolutely. Yeah, well, we, I think- We need to do go something.
1: Go ahead, Eric. Uh, We need to do something. I, was, I, I, was, I, I made a few notes, obviously, um, but Jim Gosler talks at the end about the—I uh, uh, just the sad, what I call the saddest line in the book. You know, it, it was on 385, or anybody who wants to look it up for the full context, but he says, in truth, there is no one running point there is no cavalry, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of something I said when we, we said all the time when we were in the army. We worked in six man teams behind enemy lines. There's no cavalry coming. You had to figure yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. You had to do something. But yes, like it was just the saddest line to me. Like the, the mm-hmm. reality of it hitting. There's mm-hmm. no one in charge. Right? We,
0: yeah, and it's right it's now, true for government. everyone. You know, even in uh, even in federal government. Like we right. just saw what happened with solar winds. It's never been more apparent that our cybersecurity is not up to snuff, you know, the book, I was racing to finish it before the election. And then I, you know, the, it was like the election that never ended. So if you're reading the, you know, those last chapters, you see me just furiously typing, you know, whatever the latest was that week. And then it got out there right before Solar Winds. And you know, what's crazy is I was one of those reporters on the phone with Chris Krebs and Chad Wolf, day of the election and these like background briefings, they were giving a few reporters and they kept saying like, I don't know, you know, it's, it's early, but I think it might just be another Tuesday on the internet. Like we're just not seeing it. We're not seeing the foreign interference. And, and it was almost like so hard to wrap your head around that given all of the things we have been following and reporting on for the previous year. But now we know that at that very moment, the SVR was inside Chad Wolf's inbox reading his emails, you know, like that really gets to the there is no cavalry. Like we had Paul Nakasone on the phone reassuring us there was no foreign interference. And at that right. very moment, they're inside our nuclear lab IT systems, you know, so
1: but they were focused. I've done government work a good bit of my career. And I don't want to say it's put out the latest fire, right? But government's constrained like any other business. Yes. Maybe more so. They had to have a good election. They were Mm -hmm. 110% focused Mm -hmm. on the election.
2: I've Mm -hmm. talked to Chris
1: Krebs also after that. And the pride and the joy he expressed in what they Mm -hmm. did, how they did it, his team, and giving us a great election should not be minimized. They just don't have the resources. And in cybersecurity, the defender is always Always oh, was at a disadvantage, right? Yes, yeah. They, they, yep. they, they allowed a, a proper election to go on, right? There really haven't been any proven massive reports yeah. of, of interference. From mm-hmm. No, officials.
0: and I think Chris Krebs is a hero in my book. Yes. Matt yes. Masterson is a hero in my book. Yes. You know, they took the constraints that they had, which is states have long been reticent of any mm-hmm. kind of federal assistance uh, in elections, even if it's cybersecurity, And they told me like they really talked about ransomware with Mm. some of these counties because they had to like walk this crazy tightrope between the politics of it, you know, and the reality of it. And so they knew that if they went out to some of these rural counties and said, you need to get paper backups or some kind of record because of Russian foreign interference, these people were going to say, go screw yourself. But instead they went out.
2: No right, either. like,
0: right. right, and Russia's a hoax. It's a hoax, yeah, you know. Right. And so what did they do? They were really clever. They said, well, have you heard about ransomware? And it's like, yeah, because ransomware yes. is like hitting the guy at the clerk's office over in the next county. And they're like, yep. oh, yeah, ransomware. I can get my head around that. Yeah. Okay, so in case ransomware comes for you, you need to have some kind yes. of backup system. And that's how they did it. And so I'm it's smart. genius the way they yes. did it. And it wasn't in your face. And it was, you know, it's like the other day we had this podcast at the New York Times about daily podcast about the doctor who's in one of these counties where everyone thinks the vaccine's going to plan a micro. And it and just followed the conversation where he was just very quietly you know, listening to the concerns, probably listening to the 1,000th person talk to them about their fear of a microchip. Right. Okay, and just because I have saying, some neighbors with this problem. <laughs> okay, so we said, <laughs> you know, you know how, how big is a microchip and how big is this needle? And like just literally, like just not condescendingly, walking people through what what it actually is. And that's what they did. And that's time-consuming. And that should not be overlooked. And you're right. Like, that was priority number one. Mm -hmm. But also it shows how clever our adversary is that they were like, everyone's going to be looking at the election, so let's go do this other thing. And, you know, one really interesting question. Well, one really interesting question we'll never know the answer to unless we were a fly on Vladimir Putin's wall is... You know, David Singer and I had reported that uh, that Cyber Command had been breaking into the Russian grid and making a really loud show of it. That was, you know, back in 2019. I think we reported that maybe even 2018. And, you know, there is an interesting question, which is, were they planning to do more interference in the election? But they diverted because of of those efforts, because we were making a loud show of our efforts to get into their grid, you know, to say, if you mess with our elections or our grid, we'll turn around and turn off your lights. You know, like, I don't know if we'll ever get the answer to it, but I think there the, the government does deserve more credit. It's just that they are so constrained, like you said, Eric, like there, right, there well, isn't much more. They I,
1: I have been there yeah. in, in these conversations and they have deep conversations about capabilities But also outcomes, positive and negative. These are really hard problems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're really hard problems. So, okay. so question for you, switching then. Sunburst. Colonial pipeline. Which is worse? Which wakes up the American people or Mm -hmm. do neither of them?
0: Um, Colonial Pipeline does because of just the visual of gas not being available and people blowing up their Hummer because they started panic buying and shoving gas in plastic bags. Um, (laughs) That is the visual that America needed, you know, and the fact it came or attack like even better, you know, because it reminded people. That it doesn't have to be some sophisticated nation state attack that could cause this. It could be some bumbling ransomware operator who hits an IT system and it oh it happens to be the IT system for the company that brings half the jet fuel to the East Coast and gas to the East Coast. So they're gonna shut down the operations because they're not even prepared for this for right. this scenario. So it's just perfect because it just shows how unprepared we are how we don't have resilience in place. The fact that the company was basically telling the White House to go pound sand while they quietly paid the ransom really gets to the issue of, <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the fact that the government has no control in a lot of these cases. It's so much right. of our critical system yes. is operated by the private sector. And, you know, we don't know who patient zero was, but, and we don't even know if this factored in, but of course, you know, the security communities started doing scans of Colonial's right posture and finds out, Oh, they didn't patch for that. You know, Microsoft exchange vulnerability where the patch had already been available for two months and, Oh, they didn't do this and that and that. So, you know, it's, it's just the perfect illustration. Solar winds is like, it takes people a second to wrap their head around it. Oh, like they hacked into government systems. Oh, and they could have gotten, and they got into our utility systems, but thank God it's this like quiet Russian intelligence group. It's not the one that actually turned off the lights. Like, you know, it's it's scary, and I right. think, but it but it takes people a second to wrap their heads around just how pervasive it is. And I do think it's worse. You know, when you know when you know the level of the threat, right? They Are only you know three clicks away from them that having me. used that access to do something more disruptive or destructive. It is worse.
2: Yes, um, which, which
1: I find nobody's talking about the destructive side, the potential destructive yeah. side of of those.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll call it sunburst today, Rachel. Back to you guys. Cause I because you know, you guys are, are in this industry and I feel like anytime I talk about the destructive potential, everyone sort of screams FUD, like you're being too alarmist, it didn't happen. Why are you trying to scare people? But the reality is we've seen Russia turn off the lights in Ukraine. We saw them dismantle yeah, the safety pegging, locks right? and I mean, yeah. Horrible. Not Pecha, yeah. Worst attack ever. Barely paid a price for it. Um, yes. You know, companies, FedEx, and you know, Merck and Mondelez, they are still trying to recoup hundreds of millions of dollars. Right, it's, it's a disaster.
1: Saudi Aramco, we saw that they had to replace yep. their whole infrastructure. I mean, we can go on and on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody cares.
0: Yeah, we just I yeah. Wow, it's yeah, like, it's
1: like it's almost like your credit card. When someone steals your credit card information, you call the bank up. They send you a new credit card. Two days later, it shows up and you're good to go. I do it at yep. least once or twice a year with different cards because. Yeah, right. But the, the consequences to me are essentially zero. Yep, yes. Like two day wait. OK, it's all digital. Now, now with mm-hmm. Apple Pay, it's even better. They just take right. your old card, move it to your new card. You don't even have to register it on your device or anything else. Mm-hmm. There's no consequence. Yes. I think with the exception of maybe some gas lines and a little bit of panic, am I going to be able to drive to the Mm -hmm. beach this weekend? Mm -hmm. Right. Even with Colonial Pipeline, I question whether it was enough. Yet we were, per your report from last Friday, Nicole, the 14th of May, I think. Great article with David Sanger. Yes. We were three to five days away from a national catastrophe. If you go back to Ted Koppel's book, I think it was Ted Koppel. Keep me honest here, Rachel. Lights out. I mean, a very easy read book about the potential of if, if a cyber attack happened on Manhattan, how quickly they run yeah. out of power, how quickly mm-hmm. they run out of food, how quickly we have this mass exodus, mm-hmm. the bridges are jammed, the roads are, I mean, it's everything falls apart.
0: hmm yeah. Well, and it's so, so like to this point about, you know, walking this tightrope between laying out the reality but not being accused of being an alarmist, You know, I did this interview with Dale Peterson, you know, really focused on critical infrastructure, puts on the best critical infrastructure conference there is every year. You know, he hated the parts of my book where I talk about the potential for a grid hack because he said, I took it to the most hysterical level. And he doesn't think, you know, Russia getting into the IT systems at some of these utilities should even be talked about in the context of a grid attack because on their own, they're not, you know, getting into the OT systems. And I disagree. And I said, right. you know, yes, on their own, they're not that bad. You know, on their own, Russia, you know, only turned off, ended up only turning off the power in Ukraine for a few hours. Right. You know, they they tur- turned off the safety locks that petro Rabai.
1: It was a very manual from everything I've right. read. The power yes. grid in Ukraine was very... Right. You could literally shut things down and
0: still run the power. Right, right, right. But That's where I think people like Dale miss it is the Colonial Pipeline example. Yeah, a ransomware actor holding an IT system at Colonial Pipeline on it in itself is not, you know, the start of hybrid warfare. Right. But look what happened. You no, know, they, they-, they had to... To shut down their operation. They had like almost a week of downtime. We were three to five days away from just being completely screwed in terms of transportation, yep. chemical, you know, chemical factories yes. were going to shut down. I mean, really, really in bad shape. And that's just from one ransomware attack on the yes. IT systems. So mm-hmm. just in the last six months, a book came out Look, at what's happened. SolarWinds. The attempted hack of the, well, until they were able to stop it, hack of the water treatment facility in yeah. Oldsmar, Florida, where yeah, yeah, they upped yeah. the level of lie in the water. Yeah, you know, what's yeah, crazy? Um, utility companies, like I've spoken with yeah. CEOs of those utilities. They, you know, they, it looked like they were they were, were looking around. around. They didn't just, you know, download the software update and that was that. No, like they actually came into their systems and took mm-hmm. a good look around. Um, and now the the Colonial Pipeline and like some of the attacks I even haven't, you know, I haven't even had time to cover like the ransomware attack on Honeywell, um, you know, the software supply chain hack that's happening in Europe at Centrion. I never know how to pronounce that company's name is a lot like SolarWinds. Only we think it was Sandworm, not the SVR. We think it was the actual guys that did shut off the lights in Ukraine. Yeah. So what are they doing? And the other thing is, and, you know, Look at just some of these Russian attacks that seemed really random over the last couple of years, like the opening ceremony at the Olympics. Like, sure, we know that they were upset about some of the anti-doping stuff that came down. But like the immediate suspect there was North Korea because we were looking at the opening ceremony of the Olympics in Seoul. Then there was the attack on Petro Rabai, a Saudi plant where immediately we thought, oh, it's probably Iran given the Saudi Aramco thing. But no, later we found out it was a Russian graduate research institute. The the, Russian attack on a French television station where they pretended to be Islamic fundamentalists. And later we found out they were Russia. Like, what are they doing? They're testing capabilities, but they're also messing around with attribution. They're testing attribution and false flags. And like, what it's only when you can step back and it's really only when i had the time to like step back and write the book in the middle of the night when my phone wasn't buzzing and some attack yeah. wasn't happening that it was like your holy shit moment of yeah. wow the through line here is pretty clear yes but we're all just like well in this one attack they only hit this one router and uh, uh you know yep um but it's it's important to start calling this out and, you know, somewhat fortunate that the attacks that keep that are getting closer to this are just close calls. Right. Um, you know, that they nice. could get the, the pipeline running, that they did catch the guy. You know, someone was yes. sitting in front of their computer in Oldsmar, Florida and right. saw their cursor moving around, you know, so. We're, we're very
1: lucky, but I, I I would agree with you. The adversary is learning whether they do it or somebody else does. They're learning through these events what works and what doesn't.
2: Yes. I've been there.
1: We study vulnerabilities as the United States. We'd be fools to think our adversaries don't do that. You know, they are looking at what is happening. Some some random ransomware group here, which maybe, maybe not state sponsored. They're certainly allowed to operate with relative impunity, right? Mm -hmm. They're able Mm -hmm. to do something. You learn about it. Well, that goes into your battle plans. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. The next time you need to disrupt the United States because you want to uh, do something in Syria or in the Ukraine, you know, or, or, or something more serious, you learn. Right, you save right. that weapon for later. Right. I, I fully agree with you. And, and the difference between ransomware shutting something down and ransomware going to that next step to end lives, to cause explosions right. or cr- prevent critical you know, fuel or hospital services or whatever it may be. It's a couple of keystrokes. Yeah. It really is. I mean, we're not talking about, you have to go in the country, you have to infiltrate, you have to, I mean, it's all digital these days. It's literally right. a couple of keystrokes. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully in your camp on that one. And, and I don't know how the world ends, but this could be one of yeah. the ways that we have a catastrophic failure of society.
2: Maybe that's what it takes. I mean, I, well, would I hate to even say that, but no, but I think people have, have gotten a bit numb, you know, and, and to Nicole's point, all these close calls. Oh, we'll dodge the bullet next time. Again, there were no real consequences. Yeah, there was a line or two in a couple of states, but it's and I wonder, too, you know, kind of, the, you know, this online versus in real life kind of dichotomy that we have everything feels like it's a movie in so many ways Mm -hmm. we're watching this movie and until it actually happens to me until i can't go somewhere or if i Mm -hmm. can't get food or water or electricity because i was Mm -hmm. in texas during the freeze and it was horrible Mm -hmm. um i I don't know that people are going to
1: yeah but even put the calories to
2: it well exactly you take it
1: for granted now that the power is back on and it's warm again right
2: yeah well because i'm on to the next thing yeah Mm -hmm. And it's, I hate it. Yeah.
0: This is all happening. um, You know, I was finishing the book in COVID, like right when shutdown had really taken effect and I was finishing the book and I was thinking about that. And I think COVID is actually a useful prism to look at this because in the beginning, people were asking, is this real? You know, is this really going to kill me? Do I really need to wear a mask and social distance? And, you know, It's the same in cyber. Like when that big calamitous cyber induced kinetic attack, coordinated attack happens, we'll be asking all the same questions. Where was our PPE? Why didn't we have vaccine systems ready to go? You know, why weren't we talking about the need to social distance? You know, what, what resilience and backup plans did we have for the economy? You know, battlefield testing, you know, hardening our systems. Um, those are all things that we were asking when the pandemic hit. How did mm-hmm. how did we not learn more about this from China? How did how were they able to hide this? Right. Those questions all Why apply. Well, yeah, so those you, questions you all apply. That.
1: You talk about that in the epilogue, right? You you compare the lack of preparedness for COVID nineteen with a similar one for what you call I think the big one, right? A massive cyber attack. In fact, I think you're talking mm-hmm. to uh, McManus in that. Mm -hmm. And and he says someone should do something.
0: So he doesn't even, (laughs) he doesn't even talk. You guys, um, anyone who knows Greg McManus knows he he doesn't speak. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, but yes, his shirt said, uh, someone should do something when I went in to go interview people for a story and that shirt stuck with me for a very long time. You know, someone, should do something, yes. Um, but this, but who is someone, and what should they exactly. do? And that's that's my epilogue. And I think, like the pandemic, you know, there's a lot the government could be doing. There is a lot business businesses could be doing, but also this is going to come down to people just being aware of the threat and turning on yes. two factor and not being the weakest link in these spear phishing attacks and password spraying attacks. And it's really fun to talk about a digital Geneva convention and hybrid warfare. But the fact is, like, we're not even doing the basics. And I know it's boring and it's grueling and it's annoying, but we're not even doing the basics. And I would not be surprised if that colonial pipeline hack doesn't come down to password spraying, unpatched Microsoft systems Mm -hmm. or someone, you know, clicking on a link or entering their login credentials somewhere that they shouldn't have been.
1: Well, I'm sure. yeah, I'm sure. and and while their i t systems were attacked, I personally think they did the right thing by shutting the pipeline down, right because if if that had gone into ot, we could have had a real problem.
2: Yes, so I yeah. think they
1: did the right thing in that immediate reaction, but I'm sure it was something simple.
0: You well, know, we it's it you know, time. it's it's a it's just an interesting question because, you know, now we're learning that maybe they, it wasn't that they were afraid of the ransomware drifting into their OT systems so much as they couldn't capture billing. billing like right. they couldn't yeah, get sorry. paid. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. And when I called, I called my one of my first calls was to this company in Israel called Waterfall Security. OK, like I yeah. never like to promote. Companies, But here is one that I was like, these guys probably know what's happening here. Yeah. And yeah, you know, they have these unidirectional gateways that they you know put in place yep. and you would have been able and they work with a lot of uh, pipeline operators in the United States and Colonial, if they'd had one of those installed, would have been able to capture billing off of that gateway if they had a redundant system in place, right. but they didn't have it. And they didn't have the gateway. And so they didn't have the confidence that it wouldn't spread to their OT systems. And they couldn't charge their customers. And ultimately, it's a for-profit business. And so, of course, they need to capture billing. Um, yeah, so we actually
1: in this business. And, and we don't promote on the show here. But right. we see this all the time because we th- those gateways are diodes one-way right. transfer only yeah. we make guards which allow transfer tra- uh, information to transfer from secret to top secret top secret to secret whatever it may be the technologys there yeah the yeah. problem we see often is you know the the elevator needs to communicate with the service provider Otis or whoever sold it to mm-hmm. them for support and service so they just connected right to the internet we saw that in the target hack
2: the target mm-hmm.
1: hack. so even if you do have the one-way the diodes the gateways there's so many devices out there. Like the problem just exploded over the years. Yes. There's so many devices connected to the raw internet, let alone the corporate intranet, mm-hmm. that accessibility is yes. it's wide open. And, and how do you put that back in the bag? Like, how do you, that's, yeah. you know, you opened up the gift, you played with it. Now you got to package it up, mm-hmm. rewrap it with that. T- it just doesn't happen easily. Yeah. And yeah. that's what these companies are struggling right. with. It's the convenience almost, Nicole, of, well... This, they they say I have to do this, right? Yeah, I have mm-hmm. to provide information to them, similar to billing or whatever That convenience overrides the Always everything of being right. more mm-hmm. secure. Yeah, and I don't know. That's like a human nature. Yeah, I don't know how you how you get
0: around. Well. It. That's, you know, I was, I was thinking about that same question and I was thinking about what is my next story going to be on this? And I was actually, I was thinking about exactly what you just said, Eric. And I was thinking, you know who I'm going to call? I'm going to find some behavioral economists to call to figure out, you know, where, and, and this was part of my goal in writing the book too, because I think for too long, we've left these conversations to classified government corridors and the industry And journalists. And I think it is time to crack crack, to see what could be pulled from other fields like bioterrorism, but also behavioral economics, because I think you're right. It's a human nature problem. Security is annoying. It's costly. Um, It's it's just annoying. It's grueling and it's annoying. And it requires cyber hygiene and awareness and all of these things that sound really lame That are actually really important. And how do you adjust human behavior? And I really would like to know what a behavioral economist (laughs) has to say about this. Um, because we, we need to change the incentives. We need to figure out how to shift people's behavior and attention. Um, and that's not a cybersecurity problem. It's a human problem.
1: Right. I I don't think cybersecurity is, I mean, if you do something really basic, like just take it into the physical world, if right. somebody broke into your office or your house, the police would come. They would arrest them. You'd have physical cameras. Like you could take advantage of it. You, or you, you could address that problem pretty well the way we're societally st- structured. On cyber, it's all digital. We don't understand it. The authorities aren't there. The, the local law enforcement departments don't understand. Right. DHS doesn't yeah. have the ability to reach in. You don't want to share information. It's just a different level. And then the speed yep. just kills. Yep. Right. Yeah. But you would never want someone to break into your business. You just want in the physical world. Yep. Do you want them in the Yeah.
0: And there's world? no 911 no. or no 911 for cyber. There's no 911 right. for cyber. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you who I would call. I couldn't. You, I would call my sources, my super secret sources. I would call yeah, them and connected. just say, help, come to my house. Right.
2: But not everyone
1: can do, do that. But, but I would too. Right. But, but Colonial Pipeline, I don't even know how they got to DHS. Right. Yeah. I mean, just think about that. Like, they don't have that 911. We've got some major changes to make. I I did Mm -hmm. see recently that uh, there was a French insurance company, uh, AXA, I think. AXA.
2: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: They're not covering ransomware anymore. Right.
2: Yeah. And then they got course, hit with ransomware. Get, yes. Right. Yes. Uh,
1: w- welcome to the business. Never, never, never stick your head up.
2: Too the far great far irony. Yes. The only, the only thing in cyber that
1: you can count on is if you, if you stay below the, yeah, that, I that know, high water know. mark, you're probably better off, than off
0: Isn't that sad, though? Because I'm seeing that across the board with disinformation and also just Twitter civics in general like the answer is don't don't say something too too bold or too important don't stand up don't be a tall poppy because you're gonna get cut down because there's no no real cost right right
1: i mean that's that's the reality of it there's 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 so little to no cost and it's almost fun to go after them but maybe that is the answer if we don't cover ransomware these companies can't just count on the insurance to bail them out and get them new equipment, which they didn't have a budget for anyway, and everything else. And and maybe they do have to do a little more. I mean, that's that's yeah. only a small piece of it if you ask right. me though.
2: So I I would be interested, Nicole, and you know, we're talking about all these things, right? And and what a complicated landscape this is. And, you know, there's there's no really clear path, right, on, on how do we get ahead of things. Um you know, and, and, and who's got the stick. And I, after, after this many years in what I like to call the cyber trenches, do you have optimism for the cyber path ahead for, for the next five to 10 years?
0: Um, I do not.
2: <laughs> I, I do not.
0: I think that, I think we are approaching rock bottom. Um, but I don't think we're there yet. You know, we just talked mm-hmm. about the visual coming from the colonial pipeline hack you know, I think that is that is what people needed to see. Uh, we do yes. have a new administration who got up there. You know, the president got up on the podium to talk about a ransomware attack. Don't underestimate that. You know, that is a huge step forward. And it's big. And, you know, right. it, it's not political, I think, to say that anyone who was working on cybersecurity over the previous four years was sort of doing so under cover of darkness you know we didn't hear mm-hmm. a lot about what chris krebs and matt masterson and cisa was doing in terms of election security until very close to the election and then you know they were very vocal after the fact but when people would walk into the white house like kirsten nielsen and say we need to talk about election security they were basically given the heisman and told to never bring it up again so the fact we have this new administration here saying cyber security is a top priority you know, squeezing cybersecurity funding into the COVID relief bill and infrastructure bill and putting in place, you know, the most prescriptive EO on cyber we've ever seen, even if it's not enough, even if it's just the bare minimum or just a roadmap, you know, that's a good start. You know, the people that they have nominated for these positions, like Chris Inglis to be our national cybersecurity director, Jen Easterly, who's fantastic. I I have not heard anyone say a single negative thing about her. Um, And obviously, Ann Neuberger, uh, you know, these are the right people for the job. But, you know, as we have talked about, this is not simple. This is this is complicated. It's complex. It's even harder to do in a democratic government where so much of our economy and our critical infrastructure is governed by the private sector. You know, our adversaries don't have that problem. So we're going to have to think really creatively about solutions. And we're going to have to pull in people from the private and public sector. And we're going to have to make individuals aware of this. So we're making progress on the awareness front. But so much of this is going to come down to execution. And I do think there's going to be a fair amount of pain uh, in the short term before we get to where we really need to be. But you know, we have no choice. Like these attacks aren't going away. They're just going to get more frequent and more disruptive, um, and more destructive. And so at some point, you know, we really need, we're, we're, we're going to have to change our behavior. It's just a matter of when that's going to happen and what it's going to take.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you. It's a, it's a really tough space. I think we need some kind of event to get us on the right track to change our way of thinking. It's so
0: sad though, because when I started on this beat 10 years ago, CrowdStrike was just getting started. And I remember talking to the guys there and I said, what's it going to take? And they said, I think it's going to take a big event. (laughs) And that was 10 years ago. And Mm -hmm. I guess we, we still haven't really had that big event here in the United States. So maybe they're right. Maybe you're right. Um, But I'd like, right. And I, I just think it's, it's almost a distraction from where we already are. And we have to start calling out where we already are, which is our intellectual property's been pillaged by China for the last couple of decades. You know, Iran it used to have zero mm-hmm. cyber capabilities when I started on this beat. Now they're one of the most prolific actors we saw last year. Russia is clearly testing their capabilities and messing around with attribution and getting closer and closer to being able to pull off something really calamitous here. They just haven't had the geopolitical impetus yet. And ransomware has really become our digital pandemic. Um, and it's it's only, you know, there, there were a lot of lessons for good people, but there was a lot of lessons for bad actors to be taken from the colonial pipeline attacks. So I'm afraid we're going to see more ransomware attacks on industrial systems. And maybe that's what it's going to be. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't like the big event discussion so much because I always think it's a distraction from where we already are. And where we already are is not good either.
1: But, but each of these attacks really becomes or has become just an isolated incident with limited mm-hmm. consequence. I mean, my information was stolen in OPM. It was, it was one of the most costly mm-hmm. attacks mm-hmm. on the US government in modern times, just mm-hmm. from our, a capabilities perspective what we can't do as a result of that but, but right. nobody talks right. about it anymore rarely i should say I, even in government and we just assume that that is right. what happened right you, you look at you look at sunburst we're still working through it but but it's it's just going to be another event on the spectrum with WannaCry and notpetya right. and aurora mm. and, and on and on and on There has to be a significant cost, Mm -hmm. an acute cost also, right? What what you're talking about with the intellectual property, Nicole, you know, two to $600 billion Mm -hmm. a year rolling over to China from -hmm. from industrial espionage. Mm -hmm. That's not acute enough. I mean, we haven't stopped it. We aren't taking it seriously, yet Mm -hmm. it's almost, it it will eclipse the entire defense budget for the United States at some point, if it hasn't already. Yet we're not taking it seriously right, enough.
0: Right. And, you know, you know, the thing about it, though, is it's like the silent killer. And when you just look at the ransomware attacks we've had this year or, you know, over 2020, um, it was horrible. You know, they were hitting schools and companies and Honeywell and the Dutch cheese industry. I saw was hit <laughs> recently. People couldn't yeah. get their Gouda in Holland, you know, God forbid. <laughs> um, but, you know, what ransomware has done is almost done us a favor in that it, it, the victims, like, they are outed in those ransomware attacks. They're they're getting outed even more today because now ransomware attack, attackers are leaking their data in addition to just encrypting it. And so suddenly we see this ransomware as a pandemic. Well, the amount of Chinese intellectual property hacks was probably even more frequent than the ransomware attacks we're seeing now it's just that we didn't see it and everyone was sort of burying their own incident certainly more yeah, severe. certainly more severe and more costly but, but
1: even when we see it i mean look look at like an equifax mm-hmm. stocks higher right. than ever yeah. back in business
2: yeah. yep
1: never right. out of business right tons of data lost i i don't know how many people lost their jobs there I, it's been a while, but there might have been one or two that were brought up on insider ch- trading charges. I don't even know how they resulted, but I don't think there was a lot of consequence yep.
0: to yeah. anybody.
2: Right. Calm that was being. pretty significant right. at the time. And, you know, the other yeah. thing,
0: too, and, and we sort of j- touched around this, is China, um, when when they hacked the New York Times, and I had the fortune of sitting there and watching what they were doing, and then you know, used that as sort of a launch pad for covering Unit 61398, and All of the other, um, you know, Ministry of State Security contractors that were hacking American companies and then the OPM breach. Like for the most part, they were doing all of those attacks with spear phishing um, or other sort of basic means. Aurora was sort of the one caveat there that they used a zero day. But for the most part, they were using these basic methods. Well, you know, by the end of my book, I talk about how they re- recognized the need to be even stealthier. They started telling their best security researchers and hackers to not show up at the you know, Western hacking conferences at phone-to-own anymore and to keep their capabilities in-house ha- and to give the government right of first refusal if they did discover a zero-day in a critical system. And no one really paid attention to that. But all of a sudden, where are we seeing those go? Well... You know, the, the there was a hack that used iOS and Android zero days in a watering hole attack that was aimed at people visiting a Uyghur website a couple of years ago. So we saw them sort of testing these out on Uyghurs. Mm-hmm. And then we saw the Microsoft Hafnium attack where they used a zero day in Microsoft Exchange servers to go to town on these defense contractor mm-hmm. systems. And that's that is something to pay attention to, sort of like the advance advancing of China's Stealthy capabilities, you know, I worry that we're going to miss a lot of what China is doing now that they have really sort of deployed more, more stealthy zero day tactics in these attacks. Um, And, you know, it's just it's like tangential a little bit to our conversation, but it just it makes them harder to track. And it's it's worrying.
1: (laughs) Well, Well, let me ask you a question. Even when we know about them, we don't really do a lot about it. So does it matter whether we know or don't know?
0: Uh, uh, Well, I don't know. I watched (laughs) Ann Neuberger talk about how the government handled the hafnium attack and how they brought in the private companies right away to say, you know, what are we going to do? And we watched the FBI do something completely unprecedented, which was patch by warrant, get a warrant to access all of the right. still vulnerable systems mm-hmm. to patch them. That is unprecedented, you know, so that is, you know, we can debate the privacy implications and what the future implications would be of them using that for a very different reason, but that is some serious creativity right there. <laughs> so, you know, it's like we we have been doing a little bit more in just the, this administration's first five months, and I think we're, we're looking towards more creative solutions. So, you know, it, it, it's not like we're just pretending that these things aren't happening like we were 10 years ago. So there's there's a little bit of optimism there for you.
2: <laughs> well, I like that as an ending. <laughs> yeah. Optimism. Like, right. We'll, we'll take right. it where we can get yeah.
1: it. <laughs> Rachel, I have one question for Nicole as we finish up. I'll try not to go pessimistic here. Nicole, you comment near the end yeah. I never missed the elephants yeah. more.
0: I oh I yes them so much.
1: I think I, I feel like I can relate to you. I've been to Africa, and uh it's it's such a quiet and peaceful mm-hmm. place in many ways.
2: I, I, yeah, I, but I you know what like I, I did mention, and this there. Is, there. is gonna be my Maybe next there story. Is some
0: um, <laughs> a scoop. Um oh, so good, my brother-in-law a is a wildlife conservationist who works with a lot of African organizations. He lived in Kenya for okay. a long time, and We were talking the other day about what the wildlife conservationists now have to do because they're getting hacked by these billion-dollar nation-state-backed poachers Mm. and poaching industry. Because, you know, so much of what North Korea is doing besides hacking cryptocurrency exchanges is wildlife trafficking. Um, You know, China has been, you know, basically quietly allowing the ivory poaching to happen. And so these scientists in the field are expected now to defend themselves and their GPS collars they're tagging these endangered species with from these basically nation state backed threats. And so that's going to be my next story is like how how what does that even look like? Um And so, you know, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I
1: hadn't yeah. even heard that.
0: That's no, crazy. That is crazy. Okay, Rachel,
1: so we, we need to bring it all back. Elephants are again. getting we've slaughtered. Got, we've got the president <laughs> talking the about now it. Now they're getting we, slaughtered.
2: We've got, they're getting really uh,
0: hot.
1: We, we, we've, mm-hmm. we've got some great people in the administration. Mm-hmm. We're talking about yes. this. Mm-hmm. America is more aware. There's some hope out there.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes, there is. And I, I think coming back to elephants, I will say I, I love the Sheldrick Wildlife Trust, um, you know, and thank goodness that there are these amazing organizations out there that, you know, are kind of are trying to to do everything they can to to keep them safe and and all the things. I always like to think the good guys win in the end myself. That's my optimism. Yeah,
0: I think they do. I think it's just how long exactly. is it going to take? Fair you point. know, or like, like are we going to wait for every elephant to? <laughs> To be dead before we realize that we need to do something for yes. other species. And similarly in cyber, like, are we going to wait till everyone got, gets ransomware and our critical infrastructure is ransomware and the lights go off before we do yeah. something? And hopefully, you know, discussions like these, um, yes. help move the ball forward and help get people thinking about this and help get people into this industry. I just, just heard Mark Montgomery, who is the um, headed up the Cyberspace Solarium Commission, mm. say we have a 33% shortage of cybersecurity professionals in the United States, yes. which comes out to a dearth of something like 350,000 people. No, it's reported like to be this- a million
1: to 4 million, depending on the date. I think oh, ICCC wow. okay. uh, okay. I- wow. I- I has said it's it's well over, it's, it's one to 2 million people minimum there. So yeah, it's
0: wow. crazy. Yeah. So, you know, these conversations help. Um, it's been really fun to get emails from young women in particular who say, wow, I just read your book. I really want to get into the game. I want to get into oh, cybersecurity. Awesome. Where do you recommend awesome, that I start? Um, just apply. That's cool. I, I got the answer. Yeah. yeah.
1: Just apply. <laughs> like, that's yeah, it, really. Yeah. You could be an artist, right. a musician, a, yeah, a, right. a math scholar. Just apply. Right. There's so mm. many openings. There's yes. so much opportunity out there. All you have to do is mm-hmm. apply
0: right
1: yeah it's a great market and that is a great note to finish on actually nicole thank you we spend Mm -hmm. so much time on diversity and and figuring out how to get more tech talent more Mm -hmm. more people into this business to help that is Mm -hmm. a that's a great outcome from the book yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah well thank you for spending time with us i can't wait till the next book read all of your articles all of david's articles i think journalists have the best perspective on this because You kind of do the 360 study of everything that's going on in the space. So keep writing, please. It's been great. Thank
0: you. Thank you.
2: Very thoughtful reporting. And I appreciate it because I know that's not easy work, but it's so critical. So thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Okay, Rachel, so I just checked our iTunes ratings. We're at a four four 4.6 on a five scale. We need more subscribers to hit the sm- <laughs> smash that subscriber button. Give us some favorable feedback. We really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Please let us know what you like and dislike. And, and Nicole, I can't thank you for your spending your time with us today yeah. and, and for the work you're doing.
0: Thank you so much, guys. This has been really fun. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts.